When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, how's it going? This is Matt here from Silver Fortune. Well, you know, I, I got to say, if you were planning on making a significant silver or gold purchase uh, this upcoming weekend, you might have waited a little bit too long. You know, as you can see in this chart right here on the right-hand side, um, silver and gold are off to a very strong start today. And I'll talk about why that's the case, at least as far as I can make out here in a second. Um, but as you can see, you know, gold is up right around 1%, almost $13, uh, and, and silver is up over 1.5% um, already this morning with that gold-to-silver ratio uh, coming down slightly. Uh, gold right around uh, 1293 $12.94, and silver over 1550 just shy of 1560 So this is pretty significant. I, again, I want to talk about why uh, they're moving up here in a second. Um, but first of all, I want to talk about this this price action. You know, uh, I think it was last week I was talking about this this sort of triangle wedge pattern, whatever you want to call it, that was forming in the silver and gold markets. Basically, they were in a very tight range, and you can especially see it here in gold. This this orange or obviously more gold bar or line here, where the range was was becoming smaller and smaller. Maybe I can zoom in to, to give you guys a better sense of this right here. Beginning somewhere around the beginning of, of the new year, you see gold swing, but in a smaller and smaller range. And I said, you know, this was this is kind of a, a clear uh, wedge or, or triangle kind of forming here in the market. And that inevitably it's going to break out to one side or the other. And, uh, you know, I, I had put my money, not literally, but um, I, I, I said that I saw a higher chance of it moving up breaking out to the upside well you know up until very recently um i actually was kind of wondering if i was a bit wrong on that because as you can see they broke down below that level you know out of this wedge that had kind of formed they broke down pretty significantly both silver and gold i mean they weren't down to where they were again you know back in in 2018 uh you know gold below you know 1270 or or silver below you know 15 dollars an ounce but they had broken down um and yet you know all of that has kind of changed this morning and so so it makes me wonder you know if maybe this last week or so was a bit of a fake out move uh, or not that remains to be seen uh, but certainly if you are if you were hoping that that silver and gold would be, you know, back in those 2018 levels at some point here in 2019, um, the, the the fact that that they've moved up so much uh, and kind of moved uh, the in the opposite direction of of that move down to the, to the downside out of that that small trading range, I don't know. It, it's it's hard to make a, a ton of of a move that has only lasted for something like an hour, if 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 that so far in the markets, but. Um, certainly, this is encouraging if, if you're looking for silver and gold to move to the upside. Now, not only is this an interesting move in the market and exciting for, for those that, that like some volatility in silver and gold and like to see some real life in the markets, you know, what I think is really interesting is why they've moved up, why they're moving up on the day. And it has to do with the Federal Reserve a report that came out uh, this morning. This is, a, I mean, I, 
There could be some other factor here that I'm just totally missing, but this is the closest one that I can get as to why uh, silver and gold are up on the day. And that is a report from the Wall Street Journal saying that the Fed may be uh, closer than many people expected, of course, not maybe you and I, to ending its quantitative tightening program. Of course, quantitative tightening is, is the opposite of quantitative easing. It's a runoff or decrease in size of their balance sheet. It's, you know, as I said in a recent video, uh, I think I titled the video, uh, surprise, quantitative tightening is tightening. And it's ridiculous because, you know, the Fed for a while, since they began this program, probably before they began the program, back in uh, October 2017, they, they talked about how it's, I think the term somebody used was, it's going to be like watching paint dry. That this balance sheet runoff is is nothing to be concerned about. It's it's going to be on autopilot. We're not going to tweak with it until it's, you know, presumably closer to what they would consider a normalized balance sheet. I, I don't think anybody expected it to go down to as far as it was uh, prior to 2008, but certainly much further than where it's at right now. And, and you know, most officials at the Fed kind of dismiss the possibility of it having any effect on the economy, on the markets, liquidity, etc. And yet, almost immediately, I would say by uh, the first quarter of 2018, people slowly began talking about it. I was talking about it back then. I was talking about it back when it, it started um, and, and, you know, the, what it would mean for liquidity. And all of a sudden, you know, as the months moved on, as it slowly ramped up to, to its, uh, uh peak levels of, of tightening, um, you, you saw more and more people pay attention to when these balance sheet runoffs would occur, when treasuries and mortgage backed securities, uh, would, would run off of the balance sheet because you saw in those days, oftentimes they, they were, they were weaker days for, for equities, and, and sometimes there was reduced liquidity on those days. And yet the Fed continued to say, it's not a big deal. I don't know why people are worrying about this. Again, it's like watching paint dry. It's on autopilot. And it's, 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 it's ridiculous because we, we, we know the, the effect that QE had on the stock market, on the equity market. The effect that it had to basically prop up that market to to lead to uh, a good chunk of the gains in in this recent secular bull market that began back in you know like 2009. Uh, a lot of that you know up through 2013 or 14, whenever the Fed stopped QE, a lot of it was due to QE, or at least that would appear to be the case. You know, it was a very good correlation. And then of course there were some gains afterwards. There were gains on on Trump being elected and the big uh, uh, shift in sentiment. Then there were gains on Trump tax cuts and, and etc. You know that added on top of that bull market. But a lot of it was due to QE. And now that they're doing the opposite, they're acting as if you know it, this should have no effect on the market. This should have no effect on on liquidity. Um, but that's just not the case. And I think people right at the beginning kind of realized that was true. I think. You're just getting more and more people, even in the mainstream side of things, paying attention to quantitative tightening. If you've been listening to me for a long time, you've this should come as no surprise. Well, long story short, the Fed is now talking about potentially ending quantitative tightening. This is a report from Wall Street Journal. Now, we don't know if this is actually going to be the case. This this could be... You know how the Fed operates, how they float these ideas uh, they leak to the press, the Wall Street Journal or Bloomberg or whatever, and 
And, you know, uh, the Fed is thinking about interest rate, raising interest rates in the next meeting. The Fed is thinking about, um, you know, stopping QT. The Fed is thinking about X, Y, Z. They, they flow to the press and they see how markets react. Well, we certainly see how, how, how metals react to this. And, and this is something I've talked about for a while, that the next big catalyst for metals, it could be a lot of different things. But the one that I think is almost going to be a sure thing eventually going to happen is the Fed uh, returning to a much more dovish stance, pivoting, loosening their policy ultimately, and quantitative tightening in, or the end to QT is a big step in that direction. You know, the next thing after this is ultimately going to be QE. It's going to be interest rate cuts. It's just a matter of, of how long it's going to be ta- it's going to take before we get to that. But already, just on news of quantitative tightening ending. Uh, you, you see silver and gold up quite a bit on the day, unless you know there's some other big piece of economic news that I'm missing. But you know that seems to be the catalyst, uh, I guess, from, from my opinion, as to why silver and gold are up so significantly uh, this morning. So, wow, that's the silver and gold markets. As you can see, also on the right hand side here, you also see that that the Dow Jones, the S and P, um, they are up on the day, and of course down here you can kind of see it. The DXY is down. Um, so they're they're kind of uh, this is answering the question of of if the Fed were to go forward with with any quantitative tightening or reducing it or or doing it on a as needed basis or or uh, wait and see approach or something like that whatever term the Fed uses uh, this is the type of of reaction I think you you might see from the markets at least initially um, so. I wanted to move on to a couple other topics that I thought were kind of newsworthy, but I want to start off, well, I should say two other topics. Uh, and, and actually, the first one is not newsworthy at all, and that's why I'm talking about it. Uh, this is from Zero Hedge. Futures rally on report Chinese vice ministers heading to Washington for trade talks. Uh, and, and the reason that I say this is not newsworthy, okay, I get it. If you're paying attention to this, it's, it's interesting. If you've been following these trade talks, this trade war closely, sure, it's interesting. Uh, but the reason I say this is not newsworthy is because of this just back and forth that you see on a daily basis regarding uh, things like this this uh, trade war and these trade talks. It's it's almost like the the markets are just looking for something to move on, like they're they're moving up or down just for the sake of moving up or down. Um, and, you know, it makes me also wonder, you know, how much of a a uh, uh, an inside edge uh, various traders can get if they um, get wind of this news sooner than others. Uh, I don't know if you consider that insider trading if, if the broader market is going to rise on a report like this and you get wind of it a couple minutes before the rest of the market. But it's I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of sick of it, honestly, talking about uh, this this trade war and these back and forth. Are they going to talk or are they not going to? I mean, it's you got to wonder just how important these talks are in the first place. If you know the the, the people at the top, you know Trump and and Xi Jinping, if they're not willing to to make concessions, if they're not willing to to change this, how much of these talks gonna you know? Maybe I'm just totally wrong, and let me know if I'm wrong down below in the comments. But but are these talks fruitful? Sure. Is you know waiting on on every single report and, and trading on that basis fruitful? Probably not, unless you want to front run the markets. It's it just seems like movement for the sake of movement. You know, same thing goes if you, if you go over to Google. Uh, in fact, we can do it right now because I do this from time to time. Check the Dow Jones. Okay, so I'll type in DJIA, you know, Dow Jones Industrial Average. Just type into Google. 
and it gives you a nice little chart. I mean, that's what I like about Google. You can just type it in and it gives you a nice chart. And uh, sure, it doesn't have all the technicals and whatnot, but but okay. But then you go down and, and you, you know, usually what you'll see here in the top stories in the news segment is some explanation of why the Dow Jones is moving today. So you can go to finance here maybe. And they'll give more information on it. Um, Dow, you know, beats back bears with 200-point rally. Uh, Dow gains 187 points because the Fed may stop shrinking its balance sheet. Dow, you know, each day it's it's usually like one of a couple things. It's Dow moves up as, uh, you know, trade talks, um, rumor of trade talks. Or Dow moves down on, on rumor that trade talks have come to an end. Uh, Dow moves up on uh, uh, economic data. Dow moves down on recent economic data. And it's like, again, movement for the sake of movement, it seems like some days. Uh, And it's just uh, mind boggling that that it it just doesn't make sense to me. And this might seem just like a weird rant. uh, But but I, I get it why markets move up and down. But the trend is so clear on some of this stuff, like the economy, right? Like you could have news one day that, that the German economy is on, on the brink of, of recession. You can have news that, that the U.S. economy could be coming up in a recession a year from now. And you see markets down 100, 200 points on the news. And then the next day they're back up again. And it's like, where's the fundamentals on this? No, like the, this is not fundamentals. You're just trading on headlines. Um, the, the trend here is pretty clear that the economy is weakening. Right. Um, and the trend here for, for the trade war is not a whole lot is happening. I could be wrong. Who knows? Like as soon as I make this video, there's going to be a big uh, uh, headline comes out that that uh, the tariffs have come to an end and, and, and uh, Trump and, and Xi Jinping have, have come to an agreement. But but I doubt that's the case. And it, it's it, it's a little ridiculous movement for the sake of movement. Um, this has been the case, I think, for a long time in the markets. But uh, I don't know. Maybe that's just because it's not, you know, in my blood, I guess, to be a, a, a day trader or to, you know, trade uh, the stock market. But I don't know, a bit of a rant here. You know, the final thing I want to talk about this video here is the government shutdown, the ongoing government shutdown. Now we're, we're you know, Friday the 25th. This is now uh, fairly certain the, the second payday in a row in which something like 800,000 government workers will not be receiving their Paycheck. Now, according to Brian Rose, senior economist at UBS Global Wealth Management, the closure is now costing the economy about $1 billion a day. And the longer this goes on, the higher that amount is is uh, going to rise on a daily basis, if that makes sense. You know, so for a week, a week from now, you know, each day it's closed. It might be costing the economy, you know, $1.1 billion or something along those lines. Uh, that's pretty significant. Now, I'm not going to get too much into like the GDP calculations of this, but one of the big takeaways that I, I saw somebody uh, bring up recently is just how fragile our economy is and, and, and how that's evidenced by... Uh, the fears of this shutdown. Now, 800,000 government employees. Now, don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. These government employees are likely very well paid, a lot of them. Not all of them, you know, Coast Guard and whatnot. They are not being paid. Uh, but a lot of these other, you know, bureaucratic employees are likely very well paid. Uh, but 800,000, you know, that amounts to, I think, less than 1% of the uh, full-time workforce. Less than 1%. 
you know, in theory, this is this is going to be an increase in, in, in unemployment of, of less than 1%, you know, if this were to actually happen in the economy. That's not a huge move, is it? And yet, we're worried about these people, um, we're worried about the whole economy, you know, moving into a recession because of this government shutdown. Now, that's, I think it shows just how... Um, precarious our economy is, how precarious the average consumer is, how precarious of a position they are, whether it's because of a lack of savings, whether it's because of a, just a, a dependence on, on a paycheck from, from uh, you know, every two weeks or however often. And that's not, you know, unreasonable to expect a paycheck, right, every two weeks. Um, but but the fact that, that we're now worried about a recession because, you know, less than 1% of the workforce has been out of work for, uh, you know, 30 some days now, 34 days and counting, that uh, I think really goes to show just um, how how fragile our economy is and how sensitive it is to to a downturn of this nature. You know what happens if a year from now, as as these recession talks really ramp up, if if this is occurring in the private sector, if you see unemployment jump up by one percent over a three month or six month period, you see uh, in good paying jobs, you know manufacturing layoffs, right, or or some other, you know office positions, not just you know, fast food workers or, or something like that, um, but but good paying jobs being uh, laid off for, for months at a time, uh, that is going to hurt the economy because this is more than, you got to understand this is more than just people not getting their paycheck. This is more than just these 800,000 workers not getting their paycheck for, for you know the second pay period in a row. Uh, this has a bit of a domino effect because those 800,000 workers are now going to have a hard time doing things like paying their mortgage payment, have a hard time paying their auto payment, uh, student debt payment, uh, buying groceries and all the other expenses that, that go along with just, you know, uh, the average person's, uh, I guess, budget. And, and so that can have a sort of a cascading effect if this goes on for, for a whole lot longer. Uh, as as people ultimately have to deal with things like late fees on 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 various um, uh, payments and whatnot that they might be missing, uh, you're going to see more and more people have to turn to things like food shelves or other types of support. I saw I think it was a PayPal founder announced that PayPal would be um, offering a line of credit to government workers for uh, to to help those that are not being paid during this period of time. But you know, it's this is a bit of a cascading effect. I think this is going to last well beyond when uh, this this uh, this shutdown ends. You know, that was what one of these these uh, officials from I think the Trump administration said the other day. You know, quarter one could be down because of this shutdown, but quarter two GDP growth is going to be huge. Well, first of all, I I tend to think that this shutdown is going to end before the end of quarter one. And so you're going to see those paychecks, you know, move into the economy. You're going to see those payments be paid off. And so, you know, in theory, a lot of that would be paid back. But how much is this going to affect uh, consumer sentiment? You know, as this article is kind of pointing out, how much is this going to affect uh, both those that are being laid off and those that are not and how they spend their money? Is this going to be a wake-up call for some people to realize, hey, maybe we shouldn't just be spending like there's no tomorrow. Maybe we should be saving. Maybe we should be worrying about, hey, what, what happens if we're laid off? Like like some of our friends were, like like some of the people that we know were laid off. Uh, would we be able to keep our house, our car, if we miss you know two consecutive paychecks? Uh, so I think this is going to be longer lasting. Now, is this going to be the 
thing that brings down the economy? No, absolutely not. As I talked about it in one of my recent videos, live streams, uh, this could be a potential catalyst, just like the trade war could be a potential catalyst. The drop in oil and, and the eventual, uh, uh, I think, collapse of the shale oil industry, um, that could be a potential catalyst. But the conditions have been ripe. You know, the, the analogy that I used in that, I think that live stream of the video, the analogy that I used in a recent interview that I did over at uh, SD uh, Bullion with, uh, with uh, Elijah Johnson was that this is like uh, uh, a barrel of explosives, Right and and the old style like TNT or something where where it's very sensitive to to things like shock uh, or, or friction or or just a little spark or whatever it's like these explosives being stored in this barrel the top of the barrel is not even on okay it's just stored out in the open on this this base right a military base um, and and there's people assigned to guard it but but it's not being stored correctly okay and inevitably you're going to have some event right a spark from from somebody. Uh, you know, tossing their their uh, cigarette aside, right? Uh, you know, a lightning strike, or 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 somebody's going to run into it and cause you know a shock to this this barrel of explosives, and it's going to blow up, right? And there's going to be a lot of damage from it blowing up. But whose fault is it at the end of the day? Who's it's it's the the fact that it's being stored so irresponsibly. That's you know. I would say the big cause of this is not some you know freak accident, some inevitable event that that caused it to explode. That's the the cause of this this barrel of this proverbial barrel of explosives exploding. And so you know to relate that to our economy, what is the real cause of this next recession? Is it going to be this government shutdown? Is it going to be this trade war? Both of which are somewhat manufactured events. Is it going to be a blow up in, in high yield credit? Is it going to be anything of that nature? Is it going to be a drop in the stock market, which should be expected? It shouldn't be expected that the stock market always rises. Uh, should, is it going to be that and, and you know the decreased wealth effect of that? The economy is ripe for this. No, like it, that should not be just like it shouldn't be. You know the the, the economy back in in two thousand. You know, seven, two thousand eight, the, the the financial crisis, then the Great Recession. Um, we we can't blame that on subprime lending, even if they were irresponsible practices that that occurred at 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 the level of banking. And maybe that's the catalyst. The the conditions for it were ripe. You had an overvalued market. You had an indebted uh, consumer, indebted at, at the corporate level. You had a lot of people basically betting on the fact that everything was going to be fine indefinitely, that housing was always going to go up, that profits would always be strong. And, and a lot of people are making that same mistake right now, and that's just not the case. And so whose fault is it at the end of the day? I mean, it's the fault of, of those that enable such high levels of debt, uh, i.e., you know, the Federal Reserve, the U.S. government. I mean, that's that's ultimately who a lot of this falls upon now yes uh, take take a company like uh you know tesla or maybe one of these shale oil companies okay that is heavily indebted um and and when the oil price goes down or or they're all of a sudden their capex spending uh blows out because uh, they just can't keep up and it's become more and more expensive to to increase production etc whatever the case might be for for one of these shale oil companies uh, when they eventually fall apart sure maybe that individual company made some on uh, unwise choices. Maybe they expanded too quickly, expanded their debt too quickly. Um, maybe they, it's a bit of an unsustainable product, shale oil. 
But at the end of the day, who enabled that? It, it was the Fed and their low uh, 0% interest rate policy. It was their QE that enabled it. It was you know the, the, the U.S. government that has bailed out these banks, these corporations time and time again. They were the ones that ultimately were responsible. And I think the same thing this time around. If this shutdown, if it's the, the trade war that in six months or a year people are talking about that as a catalyst for the recession, sure, you can say that that was the spark that hit the barrel of explosives. But that's not who we should be blaming here, right? This is a manufactured crisis. Don't get me wrong. This shutdown, this this trade war, whatever. It's, it's manufactured. There's people to blame. But who... Uh, made these conditions so ripe for a shutdown, or sorry, for a recession in the first place, for a stock market crash. Um, I think the finger has to be pointed at the federal government, uh, various governments around the world, honestly, and central banks around the world, right? Um, individual corporations, individual banks, etc. They contributed to it with maybe irresponsible practices, but they were who were they enabled by in the first place? Yeah, so. I guess that's my thoughts on this uh, so far. You know, a quick update on precious metals. They continue to move up, it looks like. Oh, they're going to make me sign in. Uh, I'll sign in some other time. Um, anyways, uh, as you can see, gold is up still over 1%. Uh, silver is still up pretty significantly. So that's encouraging if, if you are of the mind that you want silver and gold to finally break out of this range. If you're the type of person that is uh, hoping from the head lower, well... We'll see. It wouldn't be surprising if by the end of the day or by the beginning of next week we see you know gold back around twelve eighty, silver back around you know fifteen forty. But that remains to be seen. You know, as always, uh, I'd like to thank you guys from the bottom of my heart for watching this video. And I get a lot of uh, uh, support from you guys on a daily basis. You know, comments, even just liking videos, watching videos. You know that I always say. You know, the number one way that you can help uh, me out on this channel is to watch my videos, listen to my podcasts. Uh, so thank you guys for that. And of course, speaking of podcasts, I am on most major podcast platforms. If you ever want to prefer to, 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 uh, if you ever prefer to, to listen through podcast format rather than just watching these videos, you can find me on most major platforms out there. So, uh, thank you for that as well. You know, beyond that, uh, Patreon is a great way to support me on, on a monthly basis. Um, there's some some pretty cool perks from doing that. But again, as always, I'm just happy to have you here in the first place. So thank you guys from the bottom of my heart for watching this video and God bless.